I believe fitting in is overrated. Mm. Boy, there were some gifts in my grief and some gifts in feeling missed that I didn't recognize were gifts because I was so focused on the fact that I didn't fit. How do you find and keep hope alive? I will find hope in what Jesus Christ did for me. Do we believe? My hope is centered totally, completely in Him. Do we trust? I have hope today because of what Jesus did on the cross. His hope doesn't change. Hope is triumph in our trial. We are honored today to have our special guest, Lisa Harper. Thank you so much for taking time you out of your busy schedule. Look at you. makes me grin so much. My <laughs> cheeks are starting to cramp. Like, oh, we're going to get in some redemptive trouble today. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. But we're, we're so thankful that you're here at the Cove and you stopped by to spend a couple of minutes with us. And today I want to tackle just for a couple of minutes and talk about singleness. Because mm. I think everybody always assumes everybody's married, everybody has kids, right. and their situation is the same. And we all come from different backgrounds. That's right. So I want you to go back, and maybe for people who aren't familiar with you, to kind of give a little bit of your testimony, and then we'll move into mm-hmm. to the singleness and how you yeah. live your life as a Bible teacher and as mm-hmm. an author and as a mom, mm-hmm. and how that fleshes out as, in terms of being single. Well, I'm so grateful. This is radio, and y'all can't see me. <laughs> Because I'm 56, so I'm I'm in stretchy waist pants at this point. I love elastic waist pants. Um, Grew up in a Christian home, mostly Christian. My parents divorced when I was little. Real acrimonious divorce. And so I came to know Jesus as my Savior during that time period. I was five Mm. years old. And I can remember Carol like it was yesterday because the pastor, we went to this little Baptist church in Central Florida, and he was preaching on the fact that our God, our Heavenly Father, is a dad who doesn't leave his children. Mm. And I remember hanging on the back of the pew. For those of you under 40, those are long wooden benches we used to sit (laughs) on in church. But I was hanging on the back of the pew. They were singing just as I am. Mm. And, you know, I don't know how many times they sang it, probably three or four times. And I walked that aisle up to Brother Jimmy. And as best I can remember, this may not be verbatim, but I said something to him along the lines of, I want a daddy who won't leave. And so I came to know Jesus as my personal Savior as a little girl. But, of course, I had no idea Mm. what God's Word really said about how much He delights in us. I I just didn't have good theology. I thought God saved me because He felt sorry for me. Mm. So I spent decades just trying to be a good girl, really just trying to justify the fact that He had saved me. Went to seminary, memorized some Greek and Hebrew, still felt like, you know, I could talk about grace, I could exegete the Greek of grace, but... The idea of God loving me because of his unmerited favor, not mm-hmm. because of my character or behavior, that was just, that was too hard for me to grasp. And so I had massive issues with shame mm. and was really drawn to abusers. There was quite a bit of abuse in my childhood. So I was drawn to abusive men. Mm-hmm. And I always tease and say that I'm this old and single because God protected me from the guys I was attracted to. Mm. And a few good godly guys I dated, he protected them from me because <laughs> I was hot mess on a stick. But um, suffice it to say, I went through my 30s and 40s really keeping most people. I, you know, I acted like the good Christian girl, a whole right. lot of smiling, a whole lot of fake smiling, yeah. but really kept intimacy at arm's length because mm-hmm. I was afraid and because I felt ugly on the inside. Didn't matter if I was in a skinny jean season. On the inside, yeah. I thought if anybody really knew who I was, they, they wouldn't be attracted to mm-hmm. me. So my singleness really is so much less about being married 
and it's about shame. Mm. It's the the shame I carried for years, and um, God has done so much redemption. And now I'm I'm all up for it. If that's God's will, right. He doesn't have to have hair money, but I'd be all open <laughs> for marriage if that's God's will. But He's just you know even if I, and I don't think singleness is a chore either. Mm. I think those of us who are single. If God has called you to it, even just for this season, there's some really cool things you can do as a single, but there are some unique griefs, even like during COVID. Yeah. Like you said, some some people can tap out when it comes to homeschooling the kids. Mm-hmm. If you're single, it's a 24-7 day job if you're a single parent, which yeah. I am and you are. Mm-hmm. So help me understand and help help the listener understand what changed for you how did you mm. go from taking that shame from your childhood and not letting that reinforce your singleness and and yeah. kind of yeah. keep you in that bondage you know it did for years for years i'm not the sharpest tool in the shed and so for a really really long time that shame from my childhood was really the umbrella mm. over which i understood everything yeah. even the character of god And so I kind of thought of God. I would have never admitted this in one of my Bible studies, but Mm -hmm. I kind of thought of God as a punitive, like a unibrowed librarian, you know, who if I stepped out of line, he was going to whack me over the head with a Bible to understand that we have a God who is perfectly holy, but who is a joyful God who delights in his children, who, you know, Zephaniah says, actually dances and sings over us. That just, that was like a fairy tale to me. Mm. And I'm so grateful that he finishes what he starts. He is a faithful God. And I love that Psalm 8411 says, no good thing will he withhold from him or her mm-hmm. whose walk is upright. And I always kind of add my own little caveat there, say, or her who's stumbling toward him. Mm-hmm. Because God just didn't let me miss it. Mm. And it was probably in my late 30s, um, about 20 years ago, I started um, meeting with a Christian counselor Mm -hmm. and really began to kind of unravel what was under the rug for me. And um, it was through that season that God was just incessant in breathing grace and hope on me. And I began to see the Bible in a whole new way. I began Mm -hmm. to actually study a book I didn't think I was allowed to study as a single, The Song of Solomon. Mm -hmm. And when I begin to see the delight God has for me, it it wrecked me in the most beautiful way. And so I'd say I started healing. He began just really intentionally removing some of that shame in my late 30s. And now I look back and I think, boy, howdy, the freedom was accessible for me mm-hmm. from the time I was a little girl. I just didn't believe. It's like the daddy with a sick son in Mark's gospel. You know, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Right. I lived there for way too long. Yeah. So do you ever have days? Because I know for me, um, one of the things, you know, I I'm, I'm think we're similar in that we love connection. Yes. You know, and we love people. And I need people. Me too. And um, so when we went on quarantine, there was like this three or four day period that I just sobbed. And that's mm-hmm. not like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I was like, what in the world is wrong with yeah. me? But yeah. I wanted so desperately for somebody to tell me everything was going to be okay. Right. My dishwasher went out. Mm-hmm. My garbage disposal yeah. went out. And I was like, and, and I lost my dad two years ago. So all mm-hmm. that was in like one right. big ball. And I was like, right. I just want somebody to tell me right. everything's going to be okay. <laughs> right. You know, and, and in those moments, how do you kind of, Gather yourself and square your shoulders and know that this is what God's because, you know, I could have said that all day long, but right in the moment. At some point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do just like you. I mean, I have those seasons and I I do not think there's any 
we should have guilt associated with that for a moment. You know, I love that in Job's story, when he lost everything, I think it's it's chapter one, maybe verse nine. I can't remember, 19. Anyway, it's toward the end of chapter one. It says, Job shaved his head. He tore his robes. So he wasn't pretending that he wasn't grieving. He was saying, this is stinking hard. But in the exact same verse, it says, and he worshiped. Mm. So scripture does not say to have real grief over real pain is illegitimate. Mm. It says you bring all of who you are to Mm. all of who God is. So I don't think for any single, anybody listening to have a season where they go, goodness gracious, this is hard. That's not unbiblical or even unchristian. It's then where you turn with that. Mm. And for me, a lot of days, it's recognizing, you know what, like Isaiah says, we, we, um, God's ways are higher than ours, like the heavens are above the earth. Paul says we see through the glass dimly. I can't see around the corner of my circumstances, but I can now at 56 look back over my life and go, wow, I've never seen God's back. Mm. I can look back over over five decades of walking with Jesus. He's never abandoned me. Mm. He's never been unkind. Even He's never been discompassionate. So for me, it's remembering what he's done for us that usually gives me the faith to go forward when I don't feel like I can take another step. And then, you know, those promises in Psalm 68, Carol, where it says, our God is a father to the fatherless. Yes. He's a husband of the husbandless. Um, there's so many promises in the Bible. When people tell me they're lonely, I'm like, are you? Are you remembering the stories? Mm. Are you back in the love story of Scripture? And you, you can tell a lot of my friends are like, oh, Lisa's such a Bible <laughs> banger. Yeah, that. I'm so tired of her talking about <laughs> Jesus loves us. But I'm like, if you'll go back to the stories, they aren't all perky stories. Right. Now, I was back in, in Samuel, Second Samuel, reading about, remember Mephibosheth? Oh, yeah. I always call him Bo because yeah. I have a hard time pronouncing his name. <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was Jonathan's son who was crippled in both feet when they were trying to get him away from the palace when they thought David was going to kill the rest of Saul and Jonathan's family to basically to keep from having a coup. Of course, David had no intention of that, but... Okay. Mephibosheth is a little boy. He's dropped on his feet. He moves to Lodabar, which means barren place. Mm. She just imagined this man growing up. You know, he lives in the middle of nowhere. Some kind of government subsidized apartment is hot. He's in the desert. He has no hope. He's crippled in both feet. Meanwhile, over here in Jerusalem, David is musing one day. Probably can't sleep. And there's nothing on Netflix. <laughs> and he asks the guys, you know, in his basically on his team, you know, is there anybody left in in Saul or Jonathan's family that I can bless? Because Jonathan was my BFF, mm-hmm. and we made a promise that we would take care of each other's families. And and you remember the story when the servant says, well, yeah, there's this guy named Bo who lives out in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And he says, go get him. And, and I wish we had more color to that story because you can only imagine this crippled dude out in the middle of nowhere all of a sudden— one of the king's emissaries knocks on his door and he is thinking the jig is up. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are surely going to drag me to Jerusalem and there's going to be a public execution yeah. because my granddaddy tried to kill the mm-hmm. king. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing in that story is when he gets to, and this is, Carol, this is where I lived for so many years. He gets down on his face when he sees David because he thinks bad is coming. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to lose my life. Mm-hmm. So he gets in this position of, it's not obeisance, and it's not necessarily humility. It is, I'm about to be killed. Mm-hmm. And David says, get up, mm-hmm. for I will surely show, show you kindness because of your father, Jonathan, and you have a seat at my table mm-hmm. for the rest of your life, which means you're in my family. Yeah. 
I mean, I got you. And so I think when we look at Scripture and we apply that template of redemption over our own lives and we go, you know what? Dang, I messed up my 20s and 30s because I was scared Mm -hmm. and I was just absolutely oppressed by shame. That does not mean my future has a lid on it Mm. because our God is a redeemer. And so when I'm having one of those whiny days where I told you I've eaten more Oreos during COVID (laughs) than I have in all the decades before put together. So I'm definitely in stretchy pants now. But when I have one of those days when I think, Lord, this is just this hill is just a little too steep for me to hike. Yeah. It behooves me to go back and remember his faithfulness in my own life and then go back to Scripture and go, Mm. oh, yeah, they were pretty much every single saint has had a season when they lost their groove. And God just picked him up and carried him to a new place. So good. So good. But something that you said keeps coming back to me. And I want to I want to just talk about it just for a minute, because you said that uh, shame plagued you Mm -hmm. and you. Shame plagued me for a different reason because I mm. went through a divorce. I'm sorry. And um, but but shame. I I wonder if, and I don't know that this is true for everybody, but I wonder if a lot of single people carry yeah. the mantle of shame. Yeah. Um, just because I thought we were from from such different situations, right. but that shame is still there. Oh yeah. So many of the people, and I'm sure you could speak to this too, so many of the women Mm. that I know who are, when I say older singles, I mean, you're kind of past the, all the bridesmaids dresses, you know, you're out of your 20s, your 30s, 40s, 50s, single or single again. So many of my friends who are in that setting do carry shame because it's it's the shame of either nobody picked me Mm. or nobody wanted Mm. to, nobody I wanted to pick me picked me. Um, or it's, I, I failed mm. somehow, some way, even if I have a dear friend who, I mean, there were 57 biblical reasons for her to walk through divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't judge those who can't frame a Bible verse around it. We live in a broken world, but yeah. if anybody had the right to go as horrific as it was, I'm clean in yeah. this. And again, I'm not saying it's ever 100% and zero. Sure. We're all flawed sure. sinners. But she had maintained her her marriage vows. She had really walked even with such integrity in the face of where most of us would have, I think, lost at least sure. our temper, if not our integrity for a moment. I've just about laid down my integrity when it comes <laughs> to her ex-husband. I'd like to punch <laughs> him in the throat. But she still carries this shame of... Mm. I wasn't able to kind of pull myself up by my bootstraps and honor God by having some amazing redemption miracle story in my marriage. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's where the enemy plagues us. I think shame, I've been in vocational ministry for over 30 years now, and shame is the common denominator I see when Mm -hmm. I try, and it doesn't matter if I'm in the States, if I'm in Africa, if I'm in Australia, shame is the common denominator I see Mm -hmm. that the enemy uses to plague God's children. Wow. So what would you say to maybe, um, I love your stumbled into grace. Wasn't that mm-hmm. your book that you wrote? I love that Can't book. believe you remember that. Yes. Um, I, that was one of the first, my, one of my first introductions to you, I think. Mm. And uh, I fell in love with you then. And But what would you say to a woman who has stumbled upon this mm-hmm. podcast and is single and is, you know, one of the things that I think maybe makes that shame a little worse is that sometimes in religious settings, Mm -hmm. um, you're treated differently. Absolutely. Often unintentionally, but right. 
And Very common. As I look yeah. back, you know, I wonder if I was that woman when yeah. I was married, you yeah. know, and, and so, but, but a lot of times in religious circles, it's, um, it's looked down upon. Oh yeah. And so it is hard for me. I, <laughs> I became a, a single parent and, and a single woman in a time where I wasn't, like you said, in the bridesmaid phase right. and I wasn't in the, and I was so com- in, incredibly wounded that I wasn't like ready to go to the singles class right. or the meat market. Right. You know, right. And I was like, I'm done. Pizza and putt putt, pizza <laughs> and putt putt, baby. <laughs> I'm like, I'm done. There's nowhere. And so for right. that single woman who may be in between um, seasons of her life, who feels like she does not fit anywhere, mm-hmm. because I think, you know, mm-hmm. if you're going through a divorce, the church does really well at caring for you through that divorce process. But then after that, there's just, there's not a whole lot of places for right. us because you're not right. a, you're not a, a couple's class. You're right. not a, you know. And so what do you say about her voice in the Christian yeah. community? Because I think it's important for her yeah. to know that her story matters. It so does. All right, hang with me for a minute because okay. it's going to sound like I'm almost being facetious or counterintuitive. Okay. I believe fitting in is overrated. Mm. I believe if you study Scripture, first of all, you start with Jesus. He mm. spent more of his life as an outlier than he did fitting in. Um, Paul talks about the fact that we're aliens and strangers here. Of course, the place we think we'll fit is a gathering of saints. But I was someplace recently, Carol, and the woman got up, and this is, honest to goodness, as close to verbatim as I can remember. This woman got up. She's obviously very gifted at domestic hobbies and very perky. (laughs) And she said, "Um, I want all the hubbies in the room to stand up. And I'm sitting there, you know, it's like, oh, okay. All these men kind of stand up kind of sheepishly. And she said, now, hubbies, I want you to put your hands on your wifey right there next to you. And I want you to just let her pray a blessing over you because of all your hard work. We get to stay home and really focus on taking care of our children. And I thought, I, 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 you know, I thought, <laughs> I kind of want to stand up and go, ma'am, I've been praying for 30 years Mm. that God would send me a husband with skin on. I'd love for somebody to love my adopted daughter as much Mm. as I love her, and I'd love for him to put his hands all over me. Mm -hmm. But that hadn't happened. And for us to be in church, and you'd exclude about 30% of us with that foolishness. But I thought, you know what? Because I can understand that in a marriage class. Sure. can understand that in marriage seminar. But this is just worship time yeah, yeah. No, she didn't mean anything by that but i thought you know what there are some places even in the church that i won't fit mm. but i always belong mm. i belong with my jesus yeah. he is my father who will never ever forsake me or fail me scripture says he's the lover of my soul mm. he's the husband of the husband husbandless so yeah there are some moments we don't fit and you can either let let that my, my old boss used to say, Lisa, you can get bitter, you can get better. <laughs> so you can go, you know, if I ever have the opportunity to speak with people who are over a place where they unintentionally basically told all the singles they don't fit or they don't matter, I'll say, hey, just in the future, you know, you might, I think there's a lot of people who are latent yeah. in there uh, when they do things that can, can really feel like you're being... Uh, marginalized and they don't even realize they're doing it so so when we have an audience an opportunity i think we do need to speak up with grace and gentleness 
But then I'd say to think that if I fit in in church, that would actually fix the holes in my heart that God created for me to share with a husband. That's foolishness, too, because fitting in at church doesn't even mean I'll recognize how much I belong in the arms of God. Mm. So I think let's celebrate in the fact that we don't necessarily fit. Mm. And he has something bigger. He has something sweeter. You know, I love in Isaiah where he honors the woman who's never had children mm. and says, you will have so many children. So I'd, I'm, part of it is um, the, some of the fight, you know, is <laughs> God has rubbed off some, uh, sure. some of my sharpest edges. But the older I get, I go, boy, there were some gifts in my grief and some gifts in feeling missed that I didn't recognize were guests because I was so focused on the fact that I didn't fit. It's a treasures of darkness. Mm, absolutely. Yes. Well, I don't normally do this, but I think this would be such a fantastic way to end our time. I would like for you to close us in prayer, in oh, prayer to, for Carol. the single woman who's listening. Yeah. Should she be single, yeah. um, single again, you know, wherever she finds herself, yeah. would you bless and pray for that lady well, who's listening? Right I will. Now? Jesus, 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 King Jesus, Lord Jesus, our Messiah. Jesus, thank you for this just precious time you've given Carol and I together just to remember how much you love us. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning, that we don't have to survive on yesterday's manna. And Lord, we lift up the women and a few brave men who are single adults who are listening right now who have felt that sting or even the stigma of not being married. And Lord, we pray your blessing where in Isaiah you say, no longer will they call you deserted, but your name will be my delight is in her and your land will be married. Lord, that promise that you see us, that we are not invisible to you, that we matter to you, that you will give us a double portion. Lord, I pray the reality of your redemptive promises would be so tangible in their lives as they listen to this podcast that they will they will feel the oil of black gladness just begin to run down their mind and their, their heart, Lord, that they would just feel infused with fresh joy. Thank you, thank you, thank you that Jesus promised that he did not leave us as orphans. So, Lord, uh, forgive us when we carry around an orphan spirit that actually doesn't fit us anymore as your sons and daughters. We love you so much, Jesus. We are so grateful that your love for us is perfect and that you really are a husband to the husbandless and a father to the fatherless. Help us to rest in your provision today, Jesus. Amen.